You are listening to the IoT for All Media Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IoT for All podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon. If you are watching this on YouTube, please feel free to like this video and subscribe to our channel. If you're listening to this episode on a podcast directory, please uh, subscribe to the channel that you're listening to it on so that you get the latest episodes as soon as they are out. On today's episode, we have Daniel McGregor, the co-founder of Nexiet. They are a trade tech pioneer with a mission to enable easier, safer, and cleaner transportation for all stakeholders in the global supply chain. So we start off this conversation talking about the current supply chain landscape. Landscape. We talk about how IoT and big data play a role um, in supply chain. We talk about hardware, software, analytics needed to help create more value and how you can pick the right ones when you're kind of going down that solution development uh, or solution selection journey. Uh, talk about different business models that IoT is able to um, kind of enable for organizations and companies who are looking to adopt, as well as talk about different challenges like cultural transformation, how old school industrial versus new school digital kind of um, kind of um, combat each other at times and kind of overall how it influences and affects adoption. So a lot of value in this episode. I think you can really enjoy it. But before we get into it, any of you out there are looking to enter the fast growing and profitable IoT market, but don't know where to start? Check out our sponsor, Leverage. Leverage's IoT solutions development platform provides everything you need to create turnkey IoT products that you can white label and resell under your own brand. To learn more, go to iotchangeseverything.com. That's iotchangeseverything.com. And without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the IoT for All podcast. Welcome, Dan, to the IoT for All podcast. Thanks for being here this week. Very nice to see you. Thanks, Ryan, for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited about this conversation. Um, let's kick it off by having you give a quick introduction about yourself to our audience. Tell us a little bit more about your background, experience, that sort of thing. Super. Yeah. So I'm actually from Manchester originally. Uh, I moved to Switzerland in 2002. Um, I fancied a change of scenery. I was a headhunter back then. And actually being a headhunter is pretty similar to being a, a startup founder um, because uh, they say there's a desk, there's a phone. Um, make some money and if you don't you're fired so you've always uh, got this uh, you know this runway and um, you know the pressure's on but um, obviously also um, being able to find the early members of the team is an advantage as well um, and um, it's just that sort of pace of, and energy that's needed uh, to make things happen and um, you know I was uh, I had a friend actually who I founded the company with he's actually left the company now um, but he was very technical and uh, we used to sit in the evenings and brainstorm the next um, the next big thing that was happening in technology and uh, you know back then it was sort of around 2008 or something like this and it was uh, right. everyone was talking about machine to machine communication yeah. um, and um, and you know I, I knew that this uh, buzzword IOT was on the horizon um, and uh, we, we were diving into what it means um, his, his research was in uh, ultra low power embedded hardware and energy harvesting complex systems and uh, big data. So, um, you know, it's the perfect combination, really, to bring that kind of business and technology together. So um, two questions, one related to the business, one not. You're from Manchester. So is it United or City? Do you support? It's, it's red, unfortunately, at the moment. Okay. okay. Yeah. So okay. I'm, I'm, I'm Manchester United uh, since uh, I was a kid. I actually saw Ryan, Ryan Giggs' first game, if that means anything oh. to anyone. Yeah, it does to me. That's absolutely. I was. Um, I grew up with English coaches, so they all actually pushed me down the Chelsea path before Abramovich bought them. Um, so, and and you know they became what they are now. But um, 
So, so I've been in following kind of the EPL for, for since I was really little. So that's uh, always, always curious when I meet somebody from, uh, from over that way, kind of. Who's yeah. Great. I still love football. I still love playing football actually. Fantastic. quite like uh, curling the ball in, you know, <laughs> I, uh, totally agree with you. Yeah. Um, so, so let me ask you about the company a little bit. Um, you kind of gave us uh, a little uh, insights there into the early days. Um, tell us about kind of the opportunity that you all saw and the, the kind of journey to where the company is now and what your role is and focuses for IoT in general. Yeah, so um, you know, I think um, for me, I always wanted to make as big an impact as possible, and it had to be scalable, it had to be meaningful, and it had to be. Uh, you know, everyone was talking about connected coffee machines. And um, for me, a connected coffee machine is pretty cool, um, but it's not going to change the world. And, yeah. um, you know, I wanted to uh, make a big impact. And um, in a way, um, the supply chain is a perfect place for IoT. Uh, it's the holy grail since 30 years. Everyone's been thinking about monitoring shipping containers. But um, it boiled down to this. You know, why is it that you can monitor your pet in the garden and your child to school and your luggage through the airport and your pizza to the front door, uh, right. but you can't monitor a shipping container full of uh, iPhones across the planet? It really just doesn't make sense. So, um, you know, we, we started to research it and it, it was it seemed obviously like an impossible task. It's uh, been done before. Um, but, um, you know, we were quite hackers, really, and, you know, bringing things together um, that didn't exist and making it at a, you know, a price point that's kind of reasonable because up, to, up until then, you know, we saw a device in the early days um, and, uh, you know, it was costing probably $800 and it had a flashing light on it. Now, no one's going to put that onto a shipping container. So, um, you know, actually, uh, there was kind of, a, I think, a gap between the technology and the needs in the market. But um, obviously, as a headhunter or as a recruiter, you're always asking the questions. So uh, asking open questions, what, who, why, how, where, um, and um, the hardest of all to answer is why. Um, but obviously, um, you have to be persistent and get under the surface of why this hasn't happened. And actually, when you look at, um, you know, the reasons for IoT, uh, sort of the, the slowness in adoption from the, from the original idea, a lot of it um, is power related. Um, if you've got energy, um, it's relatively easy, but if it's a non-powered mobile asset that travels around the world, um, then um, you actually have to solve the power problem first. And it's sure. not a question of how long your battery lasts. It's a question of how many messages you can send. And, um, you know, six messages a day. Well, um, if you're traveling from Germany to Italy and you're only sending every five hours, then you miss the whole of Switzerland. So, um, <laughs> you know, this is a no-go. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, so tell us a little bit from your perspective, how do you, um, kind of view the current supply chain landscape, um, just from a general sense? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, we, when words like landscape and ecosystem, I mean, we can talk about the technology side, but let's just focus for a second on, you know, what the reality of the, of the, of the supply chain and, you know, it's come under a lot of focus in the last couple of years. And I think people have woken up to its importance. Um, it's generally considered to be something not very cool. Um, you know, it's uh, old, heavy uh, industrial objects moving around and, um, you know, people don't actually relate it to, you know, uh, eating their breakfast cereal or um, sure. you know, receive, receiving their Christmas gifts. Um, but the truth is that we rely on it and depend on it every day. And this made it something that was really, you know, valuable. And, um, 
I, I saw the inefficiency in it and it wasn't just about the fact that people things were disappearing or they weren't things weren't aligned or it wasn't possible to um to to monitor uh, you know the location or the conditions of things um but also um it was the fact that you know it's unsustainable um there's so much waste gray energy waste uh, in manufacturing of things that um, you know get lost or damaged um food waste and things like this but also um routing and uh, you know the 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 carbon footprint of the supply chain journey the transportation journey itself um was uh, you know desperately in need of attention so um you know it was commercially viable but it's also um you know going to make an impact if you can equip large numbers of, of mobile assets with hardware and make it more efficient um you know so we were selling two things the first thing was you know efficiency in your operations um, but also um, digital services to um, to different participants in the supply chain because that ecosystem is made up of many different individuals. It's not just the heavy lifters and the carriers that are moving the stuff. It's the ports, the terminals, the customs, uh, the financiers, the banks and uh, insurers and so on that need part of that data too. So, um, you know, you've got multiple customers, uh, you've got a huge need. Um, and it's not being addressed and it's, it was quite outrageous, I felt. So it's something needs to be done. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, now what I wanted to do is see if you could just kind of tie that in to IoT and big data in the supply chain, kind of the role both of those kind of areas play, the importance of them and, um, and kind of go from there. Yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously... Um, IoT devices, when they're deployed and when they're sending frequently, then, you know, you have a chance to collect big data. And obviously, you know, the device is an enabler. Um, I'll just show you a few devices, maybe. I've got a few here. And, uh, you know, this is sure. this is the one that's going on to um, the Hapagloid fleet um, oh, nice. of shipping containers. So it's the first time in history that, uh, you know, a major shipping line has actually decided to go uh, and deploy these across its dry fleet. And... Okay. Um, you know, obviously, um, we we get the value out of the data, but the data needs to be contextualized. Um, you know, actually, you need to build in and integrate domain knowledge from the industry. And this mm -hmm. is an extremely difficult step. So lots of digitalization programs, you know, who, who owns it? Is it IT? Uh, is it the equipment teams? Is it the commercial teams who are going to sell the services? Um, you know, is it the strategic level? Is it board? Um, you know, mm -hmm. but actually... In many large organizations, you know, there's kind of maybe some silos and even potentially politics as well. Um, but actually, we're reaching we reached a point where uh, it was so obvious that it needed to be done. Uh, the technology, the hardware was reaching a price point that was realistic to actually deploy uh, on large volumes. Uh, and then obviously we get the large volumes of data and that gives us a chance to create all sorts of interesting insights and services. And what you really want to do with that data is you want to understand the causality of things so for example this is the one that we've deployed on rail rail cargo wagons this is called the globe hopper 3 we have already uh, 200,000 of these devices deployed oh, wow. and one of our customers so we're gathering 1.8 billion data points a month already just from those um just from those 200,000 devices and obviously now we're deploying millions of devices with our new customers and our new 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 clients and deployments um, now this um, this is the next one that we announced the other day. We've done a deal now with Knorr Bremser um, to monitor brakes and HVAC systems on uh, on all the, all of the trains in the world. And um, so, the, but the point is, I mean, one of our customers uh, were good enough to give us a rail car um, that we were able to smash up for a few weeks. Um, there were no shortage of volunteers. 
um, from amongst our uh, techies uh, to, for this project. So we covered the rail car in sensors and we dropped things on it and we derailed it and we, we, we shunted them together at ex excessive speeds and we really trashed it. Um, but through that experience, we were able to uh, do supervised machine learning on, onto our uh, algorithms and, um, and we were able to actually uh, distinguish the cause of the impact. If you mm. know 3G happened, um, it's almost irrelevant. Uh, if you don't know what made it happen because you can't automate any process. So if sure. a crane driver is dropping things regularly onto a chassis and it's damaging the springs and the, the bogey on the, you know, on the, on the rail car, um, then you need to train the crane driver. But if it's the shunting yards where they're, you know, they're, they're lining up the trains and uh, making the compositions and they're hitting it from another direction, then it's a different outcome. You know, you might need to right. say, change your service level agreement or I don't know something. Also, you might want to send that data to the insurance team to make claims. So, you know, there's lots of different possible routes for that data to create the value. Yeah. Um, but you need to have context around that data. And that's about having big data and also integrating the domain knowledge from the expertise in the industry. Fantastic. Um, so let me ask, um, obviously, throughout the development of the solutions, the implementations of the solutions with different customers, there's different components, right? There's a the hardware, there's a the software, there's the analytics piece. All of this is needed for kind of the overall value creation for this. How do you handle those conversations and how do you, how do, what kind of advice do you have for people out there on how to kind of go about selecting the right piece for each of those components for the whole thing to kind of have its best chance of success? Yeah, so I mean, we had a really interesting experience and we learned really by doing and by asking the questions, as I said at the beginning. And, you know, actually, when you ask the client often, you know, it's like the Henry Ford story. He asked people what they need and they, they said a faster horse, you know, there's a famous story. Uh, they couldn't imagine a chassis with a, a combustion engine and a steering mechanism and the braking and so on like Henry Ford and his engineers could. Um, so, you know, actually we have to go to the clients and we have to ask them about their operations and where they're having problems. And, and actually when we first started, we said, well, we'll, we'll build IoT hardware, energy harvesting, zero maintenance, you know, long life hardware, and we'll sell that hardware. And then we realized actually it's not so simple. Uh, the customer said, we need to see something. We'd like to see dots on the map. And then right, we said, okay, right. well, we'll build, we'll build the front end to where you can see those dots on the map. But then we explained that you actually want to integrate uh, that data through APIs into your control systems and transportation management systems. And then we looked at those together with the customer. And we, we realized that they were quite you know, old and maybe you know, these are sort of legacy systems and you need to start again. So then we started to build the platform and everybody claims to have a platform these days, but you know, oh, what does everyone. your platform do? Yeah. And what does my yeah. platform do? And it's words like end to end and, you know, and, yeah. and tra yeah. transparency. And, you know, so, uh, you know, actually um, you need a, a support from a vendor who can supply all of these integrated aspects. So, you know, it goes from um, a sensor to gateway, uh, then into device management, data management. Um, obviously, it needs connectivity. Um, and then it's into the business process automation through the analytics, through the big data, and um, through the machine learning and, and, and so on. So, so you need really an integrated solution. And it has to be you know, a bulletproof from the hardware side all the way mm. through to the data processing side. So my advice to anybody is to work with a, um, a, a partner. It needs to be a partnership and you need to be collaborative and you need to share ideas and data. And this is a big challenge because 
you know, working, you know, across uh, the organization, you know, to remove those silos and um, everything needs to be integrated in a holistic way. And when it comes to um, the like domain kind of expertise that um, that is required for these to be successful, do you, how important is that for a company looking to adopt a solution to find within a potential partner? Or is it something that you feel is, is in a sense, learnable? Uh, in from the initial engagement onward, um, because obviously understanding the industry, understanding the, the the details of that particular use case solution, even end user and the problem they're actually trying to have or asking you to solve is super important. Um, but how do you kind of view things from there? I think, again, it's about having a very close relationship, a very trustful relationship. It's about understanding the clients. It's about understanding their business. You know, like, for example, um, a leaser of, of mobile supply chain assets has a very different mindset to, um, you know, sort of a, an operator um, because, right. you know, they maybe have um, the maintenance is, you know, is, is on them, uh, you know, it may be in both cases, but they don't see the assets so often and they don't have such control over it. So, um, you know, there's, there's obviously, it moves into um, the business uh, decision-making, you know, sort of into the product lifecycle management and so on. And you know, then you need the domain expertise from the client and that's about communication. And I think that to be honest, you have to really not make any assumptions. You have to treat each, um, you know, business case or use cases, you know, unique, uh, uniquely and and you have to really unpack what's going on. Uh, you know, a lot of these uh, sort of older traditional, more traditional industries, um, they're losing that domain expertise as people retire. You know, you've got yeah. people who've worked for the organization for 40, 50 years. And then, you know, if you lose all that knowledge, it's really brutal. So you have to build cross-functional interdisciplinary teams with our techies, um, our um, you know, sort of application consultants and and also with, the, you know, the client from a strategic point of view, but also, you know, the guys who are working, you know, on the tracks, they've got a gut instinct for things. And it's very interesting when we get and unpack the data and we start looking at that data together, often we'll have this conversation. Somebody will say, you know, I knew that was happening, but I could never prove it before. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting because I also think there's another element to it that we don't talk about a lot is, um, not just the implementation pieces and kind of what this enables organizations to be able to do, what problems it, it allows them to solve, but there's the business model element too. Um, and I'd love it if you could touch a little bit on kind of what IoT, big data, especially in the supply chain space, has enabled when it comes to new business models um, for kind of any of the stakeholders that are involved. So, okay, that's a great question. Uh, first of all, I'm going to just tackle the topic of transparency because we've got data aggregators out there who are promising transparency, but obviously it's nothing like the transparency that comes from real-time asset and cargo level, uh, you know, sensor data, active sensor data. You know, so if you're taking, you know, port turn-in, turn-out times and you're basically crunching that, that and making, you know, sort of ETAs, um, it's not as good as a dynamic ETA that comes from our live hardware. But obviously, transparency is almost a double-edged sword because you're exposing yourself as well. Um, so you have to make sure that you, uh, you know, you're taking your business responsibilities as a, a as an operator or as a supply chain participant, um, you know, very seriously if you're going to go the route of transparency because you know there might be more insurance claims or people start to, to question demurrage or things like this. Um, and the truth is that you know if you have those 
that level of visibility and it's it's empirical and you can rely on it and you've got you know like i said before you know you're actually getting business intelligence that's actionable out of it and um, then um you're able to transform your relationships with your partners because everybody else needs a part of that data so you know you're able to renegotiate your operating model or your your participation sure. and you're able to charge more people for the digital services than maybe you you had an original customer was somebody who wants to move something from a to b and now all of a sudden you're supplying you know uh, 20 different parties with services that come about because of that data so really uh, it it's a, it gives you a field day to think again about your business and to change your business models and to start even charging for outcome based economics um you know so you get paid per outcome and right. you're able to um actually um you know prove that you've contributed value and actually I think this is a very interesting point because you know we the supply chain is hemorrhaging value the important thing is to actually know who's creating value and to sure. distribute the share of wallet according to who's really created and acted on that value so i think we're we're in, entering a very interesting phase because as the data starts to become something that's real and in in volumes and and you know and, and consistency and quality that mm -hmm. that is 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 needed then uh, the ip starts to uh, sure. happen on the business model generation and i would recommend to read uh, the osterwalder book a business model generation um and to play around with the business model canvas um you know for companies that maybe have never done that before because they you know they could see themselves as a traditional supply chain player um to start to reimagine um you know sure. where they can distribute that value and how they can monetize it absolutely it just opens up a whole kind of spectrum of potential for these organizations to grow to um be more efficient to generate more revenue grow their business you name it and it's it's super fascinating to kind of see how this how iot from a technology standpoint is doing this across lots of different industries not just supply chain like it's happening across many different industries on a daily basis um i did want to ask you though as it relates directly more towards the supply chain side of things um what are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen companies face with the adoption the implementation of of IoT um, and kind of advice for how to kind of overcome them, aside from what we talked about earlier, which is making sure you're picking the right partner, finding the, the right integrators, the right components and things like that. But just generally speaking, what other challenges are you seeing exist in the space that are really important for people to kind of take note of? Yeah, so I'm going to home in on one particular one here. Okay. Um, and um, and I think that this is really important. And a lot of people talk about it, but uh, you know, I think it's still important to talk about it. It's the culture. Um, it's actually transforming your mm. mindset to start to deal with your business from a, a data point of view and to start to um, also look at, you know, building internally cross-functional, cross-disciplinary uh, teams. Um, and you know, in a way, you know, rail hasn't changed much, for example, for over 100 years or 200 years. Um, but it was the backbone of growth, you know, for the for, for the North America and, you know, and, and everywhere, really, the industrial industrialization uh, was built on it, but um, it became kind of uncool. And, um, you know, obviously, you need to attract uh, new talent, data mindset, you know, digital, digital talent into these industries. And you have to embrace that, but also um, make sure that you treasure those domain expertise and you, that you don't cast them out, but you actually treat them with great respect because um, obviously it's that 
combination of the two that needs to be um you know uh, present in order to uh, to to make this really happen so um i think in the culture you know there's a lot of people maybe talking about iot and talking about data and talking about digitalization but it's to actually take it very seriously and to invest in it properly and to uh, take it from a strategic point of view and to make sure that your organization and your communication and the way that you work together um, is not siloed thinking, not building, um, you know, empires within the organization, but it's integration um, of different mindsets and cultures um, to to make the most of, of the opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah, that's um, that's, that's a great way to kind of put it. And, and I think you're seeing that same thing, that cultural transformation, that uh, old school versus new school, though, just a general way of thinking um, needs to evolve. And it's it's a challenge in any industry. I mean, you have a lot of champions within organizations bringing IoT technology and solutions <coughs> excuse me, into the company, but they're running into um, other individuals within the company who have an older way of thinking who aren't really um, looking at these in the right light in order to see what they truly are and the value they provide for organizations. And it's until that really shifts across the organization, it's, it is a roadblock for adoption and something that definitely needs to be considered before you venture down that path for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think there's some fear as well, because, you know, it's a fear sure. of change and um, the fear of things, you know, big data is quite a hard, hard thing to understand if you haven't grown up in a, you know, sort of a, a digital age or, um, yep. you know, if you haven't studied it. And uh, I think, um, you know, I think that there, there again, it's about this cross-disciplinary teams and to understand that we have to do it together. 100%, yeah. Doing it together is kind of the biggest thing. Like you mentioned earlier, partnerships, it's just critical to how important partnerships are for the success of, of these solutions to get out there. Um, as we're wrapping up here, I, want, I wanted to ask you for our audience who is kind of interested in learning more, follow-up questions, um, kind of learn more about the company, what you all have going on, what's the best way to kind of stay in touch and, and kind of follow along? So our website's evolving a lot at the moment. I know the website seems like an old school format these days, but actually, you know, it's still um, it's still sure. something that's a you know a very uh, valuable tool. And um, uh, we know obviously also I have my own podcast. It's called uh, The Wise Machine. Um, mm -hmm. It's uh, it's probably not as mature as your product, but uh, it's uh, it's it's getting there. And um, and also um, I'm speaking at conferences and events, so just keep a lookout on LinkedIn and so on. Um, but um, Overall, uh, we're super active. We're traveling all the time, and uh, you know we're we're really working with some of the biggest organizations in the world. And I think that um, you know I'd encourage everybody who's interested in this topic um, to understand how it might um, you know improve their own supply chain or how they might be able to uh, iterate and and change yep. their own uh, business uh, models to um, you know evolve to to meet this uh, this new new um, opportunity and. Um, you know, just to sort of keep tabs on it because it's changing so fast. And when you think about it, you know, um, really uh, nobody could have imagined even 10 years ago that, um, you know, over a million dry shipping containers would get equipped with hardware. And, right. and you know, uh, now in a way it's strange because rail was the first. Um, mm. And, you know, you think that probably air cargo and things like this, uh, you know, sort of have quite advanced, but actually um, it's quite difficult to put this whole thing together. Um, and it's also, it needs to be the right moment in terms of, um, you know, the buying power from the market too. So, um, you know, previously freight rates were uh, in the ground and now that now it's booming again. Um, so you've got to take that money and invest it when you've got it and uh, make make things happen as quickly as possible. Uh, but also, you know, in a, in, with a roadmap that makes sense to include 
um, partners and uh, other participants and and to start thinking about your competition maybe needs to be reconsidered it's maybe co-opetition uh, you cooperate sure. with your competition with by sharing data sure. because you know that um, when something is um, is you know it's it's not actually uh, uh, shared then you have an issue um, that actually as soon as it's out of your hands then the inefficiency kicks in again and all the benefits that you've improved um, you know your own systems uh, actually you lose it when it's uh, when it's when it's out of your hands very well said absolutely um well dan this has been a a, a fantastic conversation i appreciate uh, your time i know you're traveling and speaking and doing tons of stuff so making time for us it, it means a lot uh, to us and to me and, and, and our audience so really appreciate your time um i know I've, I've spoken with other members of your team about doing some more content together around solutions and other types of um other other topics that we think are really important that you guys um, would be great to kind of kind of speak to. So um, hopefully we'll have a chance to talk again and and find other ways to work together. Thank you so much, Ryan, and thank you for the questions as well because I think that was really on point. Um, and uh, you know I think you uh, brought the best out of me. So thanks very much for that. Absolutely. Um, uh, but yeah, thank you again, and we'll hopefully talk soon. Excellent. Cheers, Ryan. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thanks again for joining us this week on the IoT for All podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a rating or review and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on whichever platform you're listening to us on. Also, if you have a guest you'd like to see on the show, please drop us a note at ryan at iotforall.com and we'll do everything we can to get them as a future guest. Other than that, thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.